0: Dr. Jason Peters explains why some houses in Iraq have been
1: marked with the letter N. When ISIS came into Mosul, they literally spray painted the Arabic noon on the wall uh, of a house. And that was a a signal that your house is now marked. You are a Christian. It's a very derogatory kind of thing. It's honestly uh, similar to the Jewish star that the Nazis used in World War II. You know what Genesis 50-20 says, that what they intend for evil, God is using for good. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're going to be talking this week with Dr. Jason Peters. He's the Associate Vice President for Connection at The Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, If you think about Connection for us, basically that is uh, people who don't know about VOM, they don't know about the persecuted church, and we want to tell them, uh, so Voices of the Martyrs Radio is a part of that. Uh, but Jason, welcome to VOM Radio.
1: Thanks, Todd. It's always great to be with you.
0: We're going to talk today about a trip uh, to Iraq, and it's going to be kind of fun because I was on the trip with mm-hmm. you. So we'll, we'll both talk a little bit and share the stories of the trip. Uh, but first up, let's just talk about the purpose of the trip. Why were
1: we going to Iraq? Well, it's important for us as we're talking about persecuted people sisters and brothers around the world that we get out to actually meet with them face to face that's huge and so we do this occasionally uh even in the connection division it's important for us to meet face to face to hear stories to get updates about what's happening with projects you know, Last year, we did 1,700 projects around the world, and, uh, and you and I are in the business of talking about those a lot, so it's important for us to be able to engage and to see the projects in action, which brings me to a question. When you were there, what were some of the projects that were involved in that really stood out to you?
0: The project that I was most excited about Uh, And we're going to talk about family med packs because Mm -hmm. that was a part of the purpose of our trip. But the the project that really blessed me was the bakery. Yeah, Um, It's called the Bread of Life Bakery. So I love the name right up front. Uh, But this is a bakery that Voice of the Martyrs is providing flour to help them. They bake bread. Uh, There are Christians there who are baking the bread. And so it provides uh, some income for them because they can sell the bread. Uh, It also, though, more importantly, provides an entry point into several. I think there's like five different camps. Uh, there's a Sunni camp, there's a Shia camp, there's a Yazidi camp, and a Christian camp. Mm-hmm. All of those people are coming to this bakery to buy their bread. So that gives these Christian people a chance to say, hey, how are you? What's your name? Tell me about your family. It just gives them an entry point. Um, so it's, it's an employment opportunity, It's an aid opportunity to give bread to people who need it, uh, and it's a connection point to share the gospel. I just thought it was such a holistic uh, project to meet several different needs. So that was the one that that kind of ministered to me, or I was like, wow, this is really cool.
1: Yeah, that was remarkable. You know, another one that I really enjoyed seeing was the pastors that we support doing baptisms. I mean, that was remarkable for us to be able to watch Muslim background believers uh, really publicly identify with Christ and baptism. We support that all the time around the world, but it's not something that we are able to see very often because it's such a restrictive kind of thing. They're so anxious, understandably, about security. So tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, in the Muslim mindset, that's the point of no return. You know, you okay, you were reading the Bible. Okay, I'm willing to put that behind. Oh, you got baptized. Okay, that's it. Mm-hmm. A, you're out of our family, or now we're going to have to kill you. Uh, so I think one of the interesting things was just going into that service, how they told us, okay, do not even bring a camera, leave your phones in your pocket, do not take them out, you're going to make everyone really nervous if you get out a phone and start acting like maybe you're taking a picture. They were really concerned just about the security of what's going on here. Hey, we're, we're going to be baptizing these people. They're putting their lives on the line to do this. Uh, and I think... You know, for us here in the United States, at least at my church, you know, when we have baptisms, that's a big deal. We video, man, it's great. This is, we're all celebrating. They were celebrating and they were very happy, but they certainly didn't want any pictures to creep out of that event that could get somebody killed.
1: That's right. And talk about the joy. I mean, wasn't it incredible? The girl who was baptized who said, I just have a song I want to share. She stood up there and it wasn't, you know, she wasn't a professional singer, but it was so filled with joy. It just reminded me uh, the way that we see joy in the midst of suffering from these brothers and sisters. I mean, it's incredible risk that they're facing that they're taking. But it reminds me of Acts 20, where uh, the Apostle Paul said that he wanted to finish his race with joy. This was just the beginning of this race, uh, but it, it started with joy, and they want to finish it with joy.
0: They were glowing. I mean, literally, I mean, I think of like a bride on her wedding day. That's how it was. Exactly. They were glowing uh, with excitement and joy the other thing that that I remember about that service is the pastor's remarks. And we're getting this kind of through a translator because this is all in Arabic. Uh, but he, he referred to, I think it was Romans chapter 6, where it talks about being baptized into Christ's death. What a significant passage in that environment, especially with Muslim background believers. Not only are you being baptized into Christ's death, you could be signing your own death warrant. And I thought, you know, what a significant weighty passage for the pastor to begin with yeah. as, hey, you know, this is death. We're, we're mm-hmm. representing death, and in in that culture, in that mm-hmm. country, they could be really signing their own death mm-hmm.
1: warrant. Absolutely. In fact, it was interesting, I don't know if you noticed that during the service, there was a bit of a, a interesting scuffle in the back, and, and we didn't know what was happening. I mean, I was afraid for just a second, because I thought, is this a family member? coming to investigate what, what their brother or sister or son or daughter is doing uh, they were they were actually pushing each other in the back and, and we never figured out what that was but just for a moment it kind of reminded me of the constant oppression and fear that could be it could be a temptation to fall prey to that uh, in those kind of environments but instead we see boldness we see joy we see faithfulness perseverance it's incredible <laughs> I remember one of the pastors said, he said, we, we really ask you to pray for the churches because we don't want them to give up. He said, it's hard to stay unless you have a big vision of what God is doing. That's exactly what he said. He said, I see the vision of how God is at work. The pillars of Islam are being shaken like I've never seen before, he said. He said, they're on the defensive, they're defending Their faith now, the strongholds are being attacked. He says, so we we see a vision of how God is at work, and we're encouraging our brothers and sisters to stay, even if they get permission to leave, which many have. Some of them, and we met some, we met a couple who has literally turned that down and said, I will stay.
0: And I think it's one of those things where God has to call them to do that. Uh, From a human perspective, it makes no sense whatsoever to stay in a war zone to raise your children. No, that doesn't even make sense. Unless you have that, like you say, that vision of what God is doing. We heard some exciting things about what God is doing. And I think Voice of the Martyrs Radio is one of the only places you can hear these stories. If you turn on the news, they're not saying any good news about the Middle East. What was some of the good news that we heard on this trip?
1: Well, the good news is that uh, the church is growing. People are becoming more familiar with the the falsehood of Islam. In fact, it was funny, one of the guys said that he, he's kind of asked Muslims, he said, what's the difference between what Muhammad did and what ISIS did? He said they didn't have an answer. He, he said, I remind them that 1400 years ago, Muhammad used attacks, he took slaves, he took over land, he killed those who opposed them. What's the difference between that and ISIS? And he said, they, they literally have no response. And so those pillars, uh, the things that they've been hanging on to, their strongholds are being shaken. And in a shame-based culture, really many Muslims, uh, rightly so, are ashamed that someone using their name and uh, upholding the very foundational tenets of their faith is acting like this.
0: There are literally thousands of Muslims in the Middle East who are experiencing a new openness to the gospel. Uh, One of the guys we met was a guy named Muhammad, and Mm -hmm. I... I love Christians named Muhammad. uh, Those are some of my favorite people. His testimony was pretty powerful.
1: Yeah, it's remarkable. You know, in 2005, uh, he had a vision of Jesus and decided to follow Jesus. And as he spoke about it with his wife, she was not excited about that idea. She knew, I think, what that would cost their family. And in fact, they're living out the price that they're paying for that right now. But uh, interestingly, three months later, she had the same vision, which was remarkable. And so, and we hear about these dreams and visions. I mean, imagine this. So he has a vision. He talks to his wife. She she doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And then she has the exact same vision. And it was funny. I asked her. I said, um, "So how's your husband changed since he became a Christian?" And she said, "He stopped beating me."
0: They became bold witnesses for Christ, and this is before the ISIS times. But their house was burned to the ground. The police came to so-called investigate. They said, oh, yeah, there were no witnesses. We just couldn't figure out who did it. Oh, we're so sorry. Uh, So they rebuilt a house. They rebuilt their lives. Well, then ISIS came and they had to flee from ISIS. We met them in a a refugee camp uh, because their ID card says Sunni Muslim, which is what they were. They are in a Sunni Muslim refugee camp surrounded by a thousand plus Muslim families living in a tent. Uh, They said they can't leave their kids home alone because they're worried about further persecution. The only other believers in this camp are people that he's witnessed to and led to Christ. Uh, And, you know, at the end of our time, I I asked him, what are you praying for? Uh, Because I always, I love that question. It gives you kind of a peek into somebody's heart. Well, what are you praying for? What are you asking God to do for you? Uh, and Mohammed smiled and he said you know we don't have to ask for anything we have everything we need we're happy
1: yeah and i mean it's <laughs> stunning when you're sitting in a tent we're literally sitting on the floor in a circle in a tent with snow on the ground outside and and they say we have everything we, have we need everything we don't we need. need anything
0: there's a kerosene heater that's that's knocking the edge off the mm-hmm. cold I was blown away by that. I, yeah. I honestly sat in that tent and just wondered about my own level of faith because mm-hmm. it's like, hey, here's this guy surrounded by people who are opposed to his message and are a danger to him. And he says, oh yeah, I have everything I need. Uh, I just thought, what an amazing, humbling testimony. And what a challenge to me. Mm-hmm. If, if this guy has everything he needs, how much more do I have? It, it just was really blew me away. And such a sweet spirit about that family. They they just, you could tell the love of the Lord was in them. Uh, they actually have set up a, a tent next to the tent they live in for prayer. Uh, and so they don't sleep in it. They have prayer services. People from the church come out. They have worship services there together. Uh, I was really blown away by their family and their testimony.
1: Yeah, and this is a big family. It's a family of six children and the mother and father. So it's a large family, and they're living in a tent. Set aside some extra space for prayer and almost like a little chapel with a cross hanging on the wall. And it was incredible. You know, we... Uh, what I find exciting about that family, too, was that they were the first recipients of the Family Med Pack uh, initiative that we're launching. And it was incredible to be able to hand those, and I know you were a part of that together. We were able to hand them that Family Med Pack. Talk to us a little bit about Family Med Packs because this is something. This is brand
0: new. Uh, we talked a little bit about it a couple weeks back with Cole Richards. Uh, it's coming. We'll kind of have a full rollout in our April newsletter. Uh, but talk to us a little bit about Family Med Packs. And this was a, a big part of our trip was to go and and do the very first distribution of Family Med Packs.
1: Absolutely. And the Family Med Pack is just one piece of a comprehensive strategy to stand with our brothers and sisters. I mean, this is just one piece of aid, and, and it's hard for people to understand how many Christians are still displaced. Uh, there are literally thousands, and VOM is supporting, we know of in just this city where we visited, and we were in a, a few of the surrounding areas as well, but there were over 600 families in that city that VOM is actively sponsoring. So we come alongside them with things like food, uh, shelter, literally paying the rent for their, the place where they live, uh, also heaters, heating oil, but a piece of that uh, alongside the action packs is the family med pack. Think about this. If you were displaced, if you were kicked out of your home, you're going to take things that are, are most valuable. For example, you're going to grab maybe family photographs or, or maybe some sort of uh, heirloom that you had passed down generation to generation. Whatever it is, you're going to grab those. And many of these families, uh, we've, we literally know of families who packed up a bag uh, with what they could carry and walked to a neighboring city because they were kicked out by ISIS. And so those families don't have some of the, the normal, more normal sort of medical help that we have. For example, uh, what happens, you know, we mentioned Muhammad. One of his daughters has a broken leg. And so she's there uh, with a cast on that she received from a, a medical treatment facility, they don't have a lot of the antiseptic wipes. They don't have a lot of the normal bandages, wraps that we would have. And so we've put together this family med pack idea, which is, is a bag that, that people in the United States can fill with typical medical kind of uh, items like Band-Aids, uh, toothbrushes, an ace bandage kind of wrap thing, uh, just whatever, you know, there's a list of, of options for them to fill. But it's something that's a very practical way to show our brothers and sisters, hey, we're standing with you, even in these little medical ways that we can help. And so we put these in this this very durable plastic bag with a grommet and with some parachute cord tied. And and it was neat. In fact, we have a a photo of uh, one tied up to a tent because this is literally something you can tie up inside a tent and just have accessible. There's a peace of mind that comes, I think, from having sort of a first aid kit kind of, ability to take care of your family. And this is just one way, again, a part of a comprehensive strategy. This isn't going to save anybody's life. That's not what it's designed for. It's designed as a little med pack to encourage those families who are displaced.
0: And another part of this is is the encouragement part. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, the physical help is important, but that encouragement part, and we're encouraging our listeners as they pack these, write your name on yes. the outside. We want the Christian families in the Middle East to know, hey, This is from Bill and Sue. They pack this on our behalf because we want to provide that connection point within the body of Christ. That's one of the coolest parts of our job is when we get to go and and be that connection point and sit down and drink tea. We drank a lot of tea Mm -hmm. on this trip, Um, shake hands, present something like that, and just remind them you're not by yourself. Muhammad and your family, you know, you're surrounded by a thousand plus Muslim families in this camp, but you're not alone. That's right. You're a part of the body of Christ. We're with you. In this case, we're here sitting with you today, but we're always with you in, our, in prayer and in thought. So that's a really yeah. cool part of, of what we do.
1: In fact, let me ask you to say more about that. If you think about uh, one of our the heartbeats of the Voice of the Martyrs is to provide practical and spiritual assistance. One of the the locations where we went to talk about family med packs and to visit with some Christians, it took hours driving through the snow, you know, up the side of a mountain. And finally, we ended up in a school where their uh, actual need at the moment was heating oil. They they have this school for Christian kids who've been displaced, and there were some Yazidis in that school as well. And they said, hey, we really need heating oil. And we, we experienced it because we were in that school for it about an hour. It was cold.
0: Uh, all cold. these kids, I, these kids were bundled up as, as much as you can bundle up. And I just thought, how much learning is going on when you're sitting in your desk just trying to stay warm and keep from shivering. Yeah, uh, you're right. That their number one need was, hey, we got to get this place
1: warm. And uh, it was such a blessing because that's a part of what we do. We provide heating oil for those sorts of situations. So, you know, when I was thinking about the uh, what you're talking about with how we stand with them and encourage them, it reminds me of what Ray Vanderlaan said one time. He had he had this great quote. He said that, can you imagine? You hear somebody who just slammed their finger with a hammer, saying, uh, "I'm not suffering." Only my fingers suffering. He said, no, you, you can't do that. You can't view yourself as different from our suffering family members. We shouldn't. We say that we're part of the body of Christ. So if those kids are in that school and they're shivering because they, they're too cold and there's a way that we can help, we're going to do that. And that's what The Voice of the Martyrs does. We say, we'll, we'll drive the hours through the snow up the mountain to deliver that aid because they're part of us. They're part of the body of Christ. And if they're suffering... We're suffering and we're not going to let them suffer alone.
0: We're talking today with Dr. Jason Peters. He's the Associate Vice President of Connection at the Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, Jason, one of the projects that you've been working on over the last couple of months is I Am In. Uh, you're one of the executive editors for that project. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that in, in the minutes that we have left. First, we better explain what I am in, not in I in, but in just the capital N. What does that mean?
1: Well, you may have seen this, uh, the Arabic noon. It's uh, been featured on social media. A lot of people have used it as their profile picture on Facebook or something like that. What happened when uh, ISIS came into Mosul, that's how they marked homes. They literally spray painted the Arabic noon on the wall uh, of a house. And that was a, a signal that your house is now marked you are a Christian. And the reason they use that is because of the, the way that uh, Muslims have referred to Christians as using the new, for Nazarene, Nasrani. And so uh, after your house is marked, then you've got very limited options. Uh, it means uh, you can either convert to Islam or you have to leave. And we heard some interesting stories on this trip about that, didn't we? Because the rules changed. They initially began with a 10-day window. And then we learned that that shifted. As you got to day seven or eight, some people said, well, if we've got 10 days, I'm going to wait till day nine. And unfortunately, they found out that the rules had changed. Do you remember that? Yeah, I
0: do. And it was good for us to hear this because there has been some, I think, misinformation about how it actually happened. But we talked to Christians from Mosul and what they said, like you said, they they announced from the loudspeakers, Christians, you have 10 days to get out of town. The first ones that left apparently pretty much were allowed to leave. They were allowed to drive their cars out of town, uh, take some of their possessions, not obviously not their houses, not their furniture, uh, but take their cars with them. Uh, by day, like you say, seven, eight, nine, uh, the checkpoints had tightened down. I think, and in fact, we heard this, some of the uh, ISIS fighters were like, wait a minute, why are we letting the Christians take all this material with them? Why are we letting them you know, take their gold? And so they started to rob them. And by the end of that 10-day period, the Christians were leaving with nothing except the clothes they were wearing. They were robbed of everything. Interestingly, and like I say, I think there's been some some information that all the Christians were robbed of everything. That was not what we Mm -hmm. heard from them there. Uh, But there's also been information, yeah, the Christians were allowed to leave with their stuff. That that was not what we heard either. Yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> Both, <laughs> Both happened. Both happen those are true. Because
1: the, the rules change. And I think uh, what we've heard on the ground is that yeah, ISIS realized. Wait a minute, we're letting all this uh, this loot, you know, leave the city, and we we need this, we want this. And so, uh, one of the things that people referred to uh, in our conversations was gold. They talked about gold, and I I, I took that to mean their personal uh, wealth, maybe even jewelry that they had. Uh, some of them early on were allowed to take it with them, and then others, as the the time grew shorter, they were not. But but anyway, when your home is marked uh it's a very derogatory kind of thing it's honestly uh similar to the jewish star that the nazis used in world war ii uh, it's a derogatory kind of thing to to have the noon on your house but you know what genesis fifty twenty says that what they intend for evil god is using for good and in the same way we're trying to to use the symbol uh to say you know if you're going to mark them as a Christian. And, and they're going to have to leave, or they're going to be killed because of their faith. We're going to own that. We're going to identify ourselves as, yes, I am in. I am going to stand with. So I'm not going to let them suffer in silence. I'm not going to let them serve alone. And there are six themes uh, in this book, which are remarkable. they are themes that uh, I think all of us would identify with. It's easy when you hear the theme of sacrifice to know that, yes, they have sacrificed much for their faith. And so we see that theme, and so we talk about that. There are 48 stories throughout the book of Christians facing Islamic extremists, and they're divided into these six themes. one sacrifice, another is courage, another is perseverance, faithfulness, joy. Joy is a remarkable theme if you I think, think about it. I think joy
0: is one you wouldn't think about when, when you say, okay, we're gonna tell you a bunch of stories of Christians who got persecuted. Mm-hmm. One of the themes is joy. That, right. That just doesn't make sense.
1: It doesn't, unless, as you and I have, you've sat and had tea with these Christians, and you've heard their stories, and you've seen the joy in their eyes. It's it's remarkable.
0: It is one of the earth-shattering things about persecuted believers, yeah. is the sense of joy that they experience and that they have. And it, like I say, from an earthly perspective, it makes no sense Uh, and yet it is such a consistent part of their lives. And I, that's one of the things I always want to bring back to the American church is we see more joy sometimes among persecuted Christians than we see in our own church. When we go on Sunday, what's wrong with
1: this picture? It is remarkable, and, and I know that Cole Richards, um, our executive vice president and another executive editor on the book, he and I have discussed this. That's what shocks him the most. But to be honest with you, Todd, I have a little bit of a different uh, angle on what shocks me the most, and I think I'm going to have to say forgiveness. It, it's remarkable when you meet Christians who say that God has supernaturally empowered me to forgive the man who killed my husband, the man who raped my daughter. Or, or whatever it is. I mean it's amazing it's God's grace in action and it just reminds me of, of Luke 23 where Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Somehow God meets these persecuted family members in this place of, of greatest trauma and he enables them to forgive that to me is just it's it's just, and what an that.
0: incredible witness that is mm-hmm. because there's no, There's no earthly explanation for that. That's right. That's right. (laughs) You know, like you say, when your daughter can be raped and Mm -hmm. you can say, I forgive the man who did this, or your spouse can be killed and you can say, I forgive the people who did this. From an earthly perspective, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. Uh, It. It proves beyond a shadow of a doubt the reality of the kingdom, the reality of Christ's love. Uh, and we know stories of people who see that and are reached. The, that's right. The message of salvation suddenly comes into clear focus for them when they see that lived out. Uh, but as you say, it, it is just amazing.
1: It's just the love of Christ manifest. That's that's all it is. And we heard stories while we were there. Actually, we heard one of, uh, of a Muslim who said, you know, if the roles were reversed here, I would, I would not help you. But uh, because of Christ's love, we say, uh, yes, we know uh, that we have been hurt, but we choose to forgive and we choose to continue to reach out in love. And what a great testimony. Let me just say this. As we think about uh, life here in the United States of America, I mean, uh, we all get hurt. We all get offended. Uh, people will do things behind our backs. Sometimes they'll do things to our face. And, and what's the message for us there? How can we forgive? Are we willing to love and bless our enemies, to pray for those who despitefully use us? That's spiritual maturity. And that's what we've seen so many times in the field. And I hope that we can bring that home uh, to our own day-to-day lives here in the United States.
0: We've been talking today with Dr. Jason Peters. He's the Associate Vice President for Connection at The Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, I want to give our listeners just a a heads up. There's a couple of things we want you to do after you listen to this episode of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You can pre-order right now your copy of I Am In, the book from The Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, It is releasing very soon. You can pre-order from Lifeway. Uh, from CBD or christianbook.com, from Amazon, and from Barnes & Nobles, all four of those. You can pre-order the book. It's available right now. You can go to their various websites. The other thing we want you to do, watch for the April newsletter from Voice of the Martyrs, where we'll talk about family med packs. We'll explain how you can pack one of those. If for some reason you don't get the newsletter, uh, come to vomradio.net, and we will help you get it. You can sign up right there on the page. Uh, and finally, as a response to this, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the VOM Radio podcast on iTunes. That way you'll never miss an episode of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. As, as we talked about today, there's some stories that we tell that you can't hear anywhere else. You won't hear them on the evening news. You won't read them in your local newspaper. Uh, but we get to share them on Voice of the Martyrs Radio every week. So pre-order the book, watch for the newsletter for family med packs, and sign up for the Voice of the Martyrs Radio podcast Dr. Jason Peters, thank you for being our guest today.
1: Hey, thanks for being a part of this enterprise. It's a joy to travel with you and to serve alongside you. God has gifted you to reach out and to ask questions. Wow, makes uh, the whole trip just fantastic. Thanks for the offer.
0: You are welcome, and we had a good time. I I would happily get on an airplane with you again, so (laughs) hopefully sometime soon. Thank you for listening this week to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You can hear every episode of VOM Radio. At our website, that's vomradio.net, vomradio.net. We will see you next week here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.